I'm concluding our series, Ordinary People Changed by Jesus to Change the World. A couple of weeks ago, Richard Lodge did some testimonies of our work with the Wickham Homeless Connection and through our work here down in the center, Little Stars, where we have our mums, etc., and Toddlers Group, which is extremely well-run and extremely well-attended and is a great blessing to many people out in the community as we seek to, to change the world. And I, near then, Neil spoke last week on uh, Changed by Jesus. All these things are on our website if you want to download them and have a listen to them. I'm going to dip into the whole statement, Ordinary People Changed by Jesus to Change the World. And I'm going to look at four elements of that based on Psalm 40, verses 1 to 10, which I'll read in a moment. And I'm going to look at the four elements which I'll look back, look up, look in, and look out. Look back, look up, look in, and look out. So let's have a look to see what the psalmist says. And first of all, he looks back. I'm going to read the first three verses. Let's see how he looks back. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Next he looks up. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. Then he looks in. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, here I am. I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. Then he looks out. I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. That's as far as I want to go there. So we see, first of all, as I said, that the psalmist looks back. Notice it's in the past tense. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. We're often encouraged to look back and to remember what the Lord has done. So, for example, in the Old Testament, the people of God were encouraged to look back at what the Lord had done for them. Many places you can read that in the Old Testament. Do not forget. Forget not all his benefits, the psalmist says. And they were encouraged to look back at the time when they were, as a nation, enslaved in Egypt. Not a very nice place to be. A difficult place to be. A torturous place to be. An unhappy place to be. And they were encouraged to remember how God had delivered them from the slavery. Out of that deep and dark land. He brought them through a time of 40 years in the wilderness. Don't forget how I provided for you. I provided everything you need. Your shoes never even wore out. I provided food and water for you to eat and drink in this wilderness. Don't forget. 
And then I brought you into the promised land. You had many enemies, but they were defeated. I defeated them on your behalf. And I brought you into the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. I did it. Don't forget. Remember. The danger is if we forget, we will drift away from the Lord. And Jesus says as well, as we break bread, which we're going to do later, he says, do this in remembrance of me. Remember. Don't forget. So I want to remember a couple of things this morning. I want to remember, I want us to remember something of the history of this church. Now, I know some of you will be familiar with that, but some of you won't be. It may be familiar to some. So this church, King's Church, started about just over 40 years ago at my parents-in-law's lounge in Hazelmere. They weren't my parents-in-law at that time. And at that very first meeting... There were seven people at that meeting. Six adults and a teenager. The teenager at that time would be my future wife. So we're remembering that. And the people at that meeting were ordinary people. They were earning a living. They were paying bills. They were raising a family. They were taking kids to school. They were getting to know neighbors. They would be arriving at the meeting with prams and pushchairs. Sound familiar? Any of you doing that here today? They were not thinking about anything other than wanting to meet with one another, to experience the reality of who God is, and to let others know about that reality and come to experience him as they had. Basically, they had a hunger and thirst for God. Ordinary people. Seven ordinary people. This year, as we look back on our own history here at King's in January... We celebrated 21 years of being in the King Center. We had a nice cake out the front with a cake cut. We got the cake shared around. Who was there for that? Just raise your hand if you're here for the 21st. Okay, quite a few. We're here for the 21st celebration of being here at the King Center. It's part of our history. We look back and we celebrate that. And this year, on March the 27th, we started our second site in Hazelmere in order to grow the work and reach out to more people. So we look back at what the Lord has done. Those seven people at that very first meeting 40-odd years ago, I expect they never thought that that was where we were heading. Those seven people, I guess, never thought that one day over 800 people would be coming to three meetings on a Sunday, which is what we've had since we've gone to three meetings. I expect they never thought that we would be reaching out to the ends of the earth, to those who had never heard the name of Jesus. That probably was not in their thinking. So we look back and we acknowledge and we celebrate and we recognize and we're thankful for what the Lord has done in us as a church, us ordinary people. But it's also helpful to look back as individuals. It's helpful for you to look back and to see and think and remember what the Lord has done for you as well. And even if you think, well, I'm not a follower of Jesus, you're still being given the precious gift of life by him that you can be thankful for too. So what about you personally as you look back on your own life? Perhaps you're raising a family, paying bills, earning a living. Perhaps you're one of the busy retired people. Or maybe you're a bit nearer the end than the beginning. Perhaps you're pushing a buggy when you come here. Just like those ordinary people at that very first meeting in Hazelmere. As I look back on my own life, I see, can see many of the Lord's blessings, much of his provision. The Lord gave me a wonderful wife for a start. 
The Lord has always provided for our needs and more. The Lord has provided, un- uh, has provided employment, finances, opportunity, and experiences I would never have dreamt of as a boy growing up in Scotland. Many blessings. We've seen our family blessed with great spouses. We've got grandchildren who are a source of blessing. We've got three on the way in the next few months. One is overdue. He should have been a week last Wednesday, but he's delayed in coming, or I don't know. He will definitely, hopefully, be around by the next 36 hours. That's what's going to be happening. As you look back on your life, I want you to think of some of the blessings that the Lord has given you. Some of the kindnesses that he has shown you. Some of the provisions that he has made for you. Personally, I've had many desires in my heart fulfilled. I can remember when I was a boy, and I've shared this story before, perhaps on more than one occasion, so forgive me if you've heard it before. When I was a boy, about 12 years old, I went to the cinema with my parents. Now, in those days, it was quite a treat to go to the cinema. Probably less so these days, I don't know, but it was in those days. And I went to the cinema, and I was captivated by this film. Absolutely captivated by it. Entranced is a good word to use. From the beginning opening bars of music right to the end. And it was a film set in Russia. Down at the time of the Russian Revolution. And it was called Dr. Shivago. And uh, I can remember seeing the Onion Dome churches. And I remember thinking, I would love to go to that country. I would love to go to that country. I would love to see those Onion Dome churches. And lo and behold, one day, there I was standing in the center of Moscow in Red Square, looking at what? Onion-dumbed churches. The Lord gave me the desires of my heart, and he's done it in more ways than that. I could share a lot more. I like adventure, personally. I like to see different places. I like to experience different cultures. Maybe it stems from the fact that when I was a boy, I liked looking at the atlases and memorizing countries and memorizing capital cities and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, the point is this. The Lord has given me many of the desires of my heart. How about you? As you look back on your life. In case you're thinking, well, you've had had an easy time, haven't you? (laughs) Have things always been easy? Has it always been smooth? Have there been no problems or worries and anxieties to overcome? What do you think? No, of course not. There have been difficulties. There have been problems. There have been fears. There have been anxieties. There have been disappointments. There has been pain. There have been tears. Yes, of course, there has been all those things. But through it all, I have to say this, I've seen the kindnesses of the Lord throughout it all. So I look back. We should look back. We look back as a church, just ordinary people. I'm an ordinary person. And Jesus has been at work in this church. And Jesus has been at work in my life. And Jesus, I trust, is at work in your life. And if you've been a Christian for any length of time, then you have got a history that you can look back on. And it's good to do that and to remember the kindnesses and the grace of God in our lives. The psalmist looks up. He says, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done. The things you planned for us, none can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, there would be too many to declare. I read this this week. Every experience of the Lord's grace in the past should lead us to look up to him with trust for the future, for the present and the future. Let me say that again. 
Every experience of the Lord's grace in the past should lead us to look up to him with trust for the present and the future. Now, when I was writing this sermon, a song came into my mind, and I thought, I love that song. Every time we sing that song at King's, I always get energized. Every time we sing that song at King's, I always get encouraged. Every time we sing that song at King's, I have a sense of the Lord's presence. And I wrote it down. And I wrote down, love singing. Oh, Lord, you never let go through the calm and through the storm. Lord, you never let go of me. I think we sang that this morning, didn't we? And uh, at the first meeting, I was sitting down in the front row there. And Mark, who was leading the worship, came down off the stage. And I said to him, that was a good set, Mark, really encouraging. And I said, look what I've written in my notes. And I showed him, love singing, oh Lord, you never let go. And he was quite encouraged. He said to me, do you know what? He said, I haven't done that song for years. Lord, you never let go of me. We look up. Now, you don't need me to tell you this, but there are difficulties in life. Amen? Yes. And we have to go through them. We'd rather not go through them. We'd rather bypass them. We'd rather have nothing to do with them. But we find that often in life, difficulties come into our life and they're like unwelcome guests, if there is such a thing as that. We've had a few this year, as you may know, with my wife Joy, her parents both getting ill. Her father was diagnosed as being terminally ill last year. So he had to go into hospital where he was diagnosed like that and then he kept collapsing at home when he came out of hospital. We would get phone calls from Joy's mother saying, Dad's collapsed. And we'd go in and we'd help him up. We'd phone the ambulance. And he would go into hospital again. Then he came out again. Then we'd get another phone call. Dad's collapsed again. And then we'd go into the house. And I couldn't lift him off the floor. He was too heavy. And he'd bashed his head. And it was horrible to see. He had to go back into hospital, and then we thought he can't come home. He'll have to go into care, so we had to organize all that. Then while he was in care, his wife, Joy's mom, then had a stroke. She had to go into hospital, so on, on that went. And, and then while she was in hospital, Frank died, and she had to go into care, and then she died. And it was all very traumatic and very difficult, as you can imagine. And it went on for some time. However, difficult as that has been, what we have tried to do is this. Fix our eyes on Jesus. Fix our eyes on Jesus. What problems are you going through? What difficulties are you going through? And by the way, fix your eyes on Jesus does not mean you stick your head in the sand and pretend that it's not happening. Fix your eyes on Jesus means you fully face up to the reality of what is going on, but you face that reality fixing your eyes on him. So what does it mean to fix your eyes on Jesus? And by the way, we all have wobbles. So I'm not talking about perfection here. To fix your eyes on Jesus, well, I can only talk about the example that we went through. As we fixed our eyes on Jesus, it meant this, first of all, believing in his word. We believed his word, that in the midst of the difficulties that we're going through, Jesus said, I will never leave you. So we were not going through it on our own. We were going through it with Christ. I will never leave you. And not only that, he would never leave those who were dying. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we sing that song, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. So God is with us in the midst of our difficulties and trials. We trust his word. 
I have gone to prepare a place for you, and I will come back and receive you to myself. We trust his word. The Apostle James tells us as well, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And the writer of the Hebrews talks about approaching the throne of grace with confidence to receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. So we approach this throne of grace. We draw near to God. And one of the beauties of being together is that we can draw near to God together. We can encourage one another to draw near to God. And when we meet in times like this on a Sunday morning and we worship together, it's such a time to be uplifted. It's such a time to be open to what the Spirit is going to do. Are you open? Are you open to what's going on? Are you open to the words the Lord is speaking? Are you open to the encouragements that the Lord wants to give? Because make no mistake about it, the Lord wants to encourage you this morning. Make no mistake about it, the Lord wants to speak to you personally this morning. Have you got ears to hear? Can you hear what the Lord wants to say to you this morning? Are your ears open or are they closed? The Lord is a God of encouragement. He's a God of love. Do you think he wants to slap you down? No, that's not his purpose. His purpose is to lift you up. He lifted me out of the miry clay, the Bible says. He didn't put me in it. He lifted me out of it. So God's purpose and intention is to do us good, to bless us. And as we look to him, as we draw near to him, we fix our eyes on him. And something amazing happens when we do that. It's the Bible says it's like this. We all with unveiled face are being transformed from one degree of glory to another. Let me just illustrate that. Here are my two arms. They represent the degree of the angles of the degrees. So if I move my arm up, you can see the angle between my arms is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until it gets to about 90 degrees. In teacher parlance, that would be a right angle, yeah? If you remember from your school days. Now it's getting bigger. The angle is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. It's increasing by degrees. And now it's becoming about 180 degrees, isn't it? It's about 180 degrees. Now it's, did you see it's moved? It's moved one degree. Did you see it? Or not? It was small movement, wasn't it? You might not have seen it at all. What I did was I moved this arm. Just a little bit. Just one degree. We're being changed from one degree of glory to another. Sometimes we can't see it. And we've got someone who doesn't want us to see it. He's called the devil or Satan, the accuser. He doesn't want to see that God is at work in your life. He doesn't want you to see that. He doesn't want you to acknowledge it. He wants you to see your faults. He wants you to see your failures. And so he's the accuser of the brethren. And he comes and he accuses you night and day. There isn't a moment when he doesn't stop accusing you. But Jesus says, no, I'm at work in your life by my spirit. And as you with unveiled face, as you with openness, as you with ears to hear, draw near to me, then I will transform you from one degree of glory to another. Do you believe that? So as we look up, we get changed by Jesus. We're just ordinary people. But we're being changed by Jesus as we're open to him. Then the psalmist looks in. He says, I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. Now, when I get up in the morning, I don't naturally think I want to do the will of God. I don't naturally leap out of bed saying, I'm going to do the will of God every moment of today. Why? Because it doesn't come naturally. 
It does not come naturally. It has to come supernaturally. It's only as the Spirit of God comes and works in our life that we desire to do the will of God. Your law is within me. Now, I've been a Christian for some time. When I became a Christian at the age of 20, I had no idea what was going on in my life. I could not explain theologically what had happened in my life. I can now, but as a young Christian at the age of 20, I had no idea. I knew that I believed that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one could get to the Father except through him. I believed that. That was a turning point in my life. A very significant turning point in my life. But I did not know that the Spirit of God had done that. I didn't know that I had revelation of who Jesus was. I didn't know, in fact, that I'd been born again. I didn't know, in fact, that I was now new creation. I had no idea. I just knew that something had happened in my life. And some of the things that I had done naturally, normally, enjoyed doing, I thought, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. But I do want to do other things that I never used to do. I want to meet with God's people. I never used to do that. I want to worship the Lord. I want to sing his praises. I never did that before. I want to read the Bible. I never did that before. I want to meet with his people. It was unnatural. A 20-year-old guy wanting to do all these things. Unnatural. It was supernatural. And the Bible calls it repentance. I didn't know that. I couldn't explain theologically what was going on. But I knew I was just turning away from that stuff, not doing that anymore, and doing other stuff that I wanted to do. Why? Because the Spirit of God was at work in my life. I desire to do your will, oh my God. Your law is within my heart. Some, and it's more than just a, a new set of Christian resolutions, a new higher moral code. It's deeper than that. It's to do with something that happens in the very core of who you are. And Jesus explained it like this. And I didn't know that. You must be born again. You must be born again. And something happens when you're born again. It's the Spirit of God comes and gives you a new life, new desires, new power, new input. Have you experienced that? Have you experienced that change by Jesus? Because that's what he wants to do in our life. So the psalmist looks in. And I know as well that we do it with imperfectly. The only one who's perfectly done it, of course, and ultimately this verse refers to him, is Jesus himself. I desire to do your will, O God. Your law is within my heart. Christ did it. The Lamb of God. It took him to the cross. It took him to the cross where he gave his life up for us so that we could have new life in his place. The power of the Spirit of God is at work within us. Now, I appreciate there's a wrestling going on, but God is at work. Do you know when God took you on, do you think he thought, I, he's okay, I think we'll get him through. Yeah, he's pretty good. You know, he's not got too much mess in his life. She's okay. Yeah, she's, she did that, but yeah, that's, that's easily remedied, that one. She wasn't too bad. She was quite good at school and all that kind of stuff. She didn't give the teachers too much trouble. She'll be fine. But him, her, I don't know. They've made such a mess. I, do you think we can, is it possible to, to do, I don't know. I don't want to get halfway through and find that we're not going to do it. Um, I saw a picture this week on the internet, which again, I love seeing pictures like this. And it was taken by the Hubble telescope. And it was taken of some nebula out in the far recesses of space. Actually, it's probably not in the far recesses of space. It's probably just next door. 
But to us, it's the far recesses of space because it's over 100,000 light years distant from planet Earth. And you've got this nebula which has never been seen before. And it's birthing new stars. And it's clouds of stars out there in the universe. And God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit planned that and made it. Do you think he looks at you and thinks, oh, I don't know if I can cope with him. I don't know if I can cope with her. He who begun a good work in you will bring it to completion. He is able to present you before his throne with exceeding joy. Ordinary people, but changed by Jesus. The psalmist looks in, and we need to sometimes just look in and say, yeah, I'm not perfect, Lord. Yeah, I've got a long way to go, but nevertheless, I can see you're at work in my life. I can see you're affecting my desires. I can see you're changing me, and it's maybe small, maybe slow, but it's happening. There's something going on, and I want to thank you for it, Lord. And I acknowledge that you're doing it, too. And it's what motivates the work that goes on here at King's. It's the Spirit of God. Our Christians Against Poverty, our overseas work that Neil mentioned, our work with students. We're doing Bag Sunday today. What? Why on earth are we doing something as silly as that? Carrying bags up stairs for people. What's the point? It's to demonstrate the love of God. Show something of the care that there is in Christ. The Spirit of God motivating this work. And the work with our our youth as well. So encouraged by what the Lord is doing in our youth today. Because it's not simply about looking back. It's about looking to the future. And over 70 of our youth went to New Day this year. Some were touched by the Spirit. Many were. Some are going to get baptized. So encouraging what the Lord is doing in them. Seeing some of our young guys up here, you know, leading worship or being involved in the leading of worship. It's so encouraging. Now children's work too. It's not just about the past. It's about the future generation as well. Want to invest in them so we'll see the kingdom go. We may not be able to do everything, but there's another generation coming. And I want to be able to pass on the baton that the Lord has given to me. To, and the next generation say, here, you take on. And I will be there to help you. I'll be there to support you. I'll be there to cheer you on as much as I can, as much as I'm able. Not just the past, but the future. And maybe you're sitting here today and you're part of that future generation. I'm 63 years old. And there are many here sitting here, I guess, are under the age of 30. And many under the age of 40 sitting here. And there's batons to be passed on. We want you to run faster than us. We want you to achieve more than us. We want you to catch the heart of God more than we have done. We want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit in a greater depth than we've ever been. We want you to see signs and wonders that we've never seen. Because we want to see the world changed by Jesus. I've begun the good work here at King's. I started it over 40 years ago, Jesus would say. I put my spirit on my precious people then. Ordinary people. And gradually I've built it up, built it up, built it up. But there's more to do. The spirit of God is at work. And we look out. The psalmist does that. He says, I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord. As you know, I do not hide my, your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. So there's a telling of his story. He wants to proclaim what God has done. He doesn't want to hide it. He doesn't want to conceal it. But he looks out and he sees a needy world that he wants to encourage and strengthen and bless. And he has a story to tell. What about you and me? Do you have a story to tell of God's work in your life? Well, I know you do if you're a follower of Jesus. You have a story to tell, and it's a twofold story. 
It's a story of perfection, and it's a story of imperfection. The story of perfection, of course, is to do with Christ. The one who comes from the heights of heaven and humbles himself and takes upon himself the form of a servant and fully obeys the will of the Father and it takes him to the cross where he sacrifices his life. Nobody takes it from me, Jesus says. No, no, don't think that. I give it willingly. And I do it because of love for the Father and love for the people I'm dying for. That's the story of perfection. I am the way, Jesus says. I am the truth. No one the way, truth. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's the story of perfection that we've got to tell. But it's only half the story, really. The other half is us. The imperfection side of the story that the psalmist talks about when he says, You brought me up out of the miry clay, out of the muddy, slimy pit, and you put my feet upon a rock. Let's have a look at this short video. <clears throat> I think that man had a story to tell, don't you? There he was. Out in his canoe, and he goes stuck in the mud and the miry pit, and he can't get out. And he needs someone to come from the heights to rescue him and bring him out of that pit and hose him down. It's a story familiar to all of us, I'm sure. To change the world, we have to look outward. And that was the attitude of Christ. He came and he looked for the lost sheep. The psalmist doesn't keep the good news to himself, but he shares it. And we, can, we too can share what the Lord has done for us and in our own lives. Now, I want to give you an opportunity to reflect back on your own life for a minute or two. And just reflect and think of maybe it's just one good thing you can think that the Lord has done for you. Or maybe it's a whole series. The kindnesses of the Lord. I asked people to share in the very first meeting. And I asked people to share up at Hazemir. And people had no problem doing that. So I wonder if the welcome team could just begin to, actually, no, you can just sit for a minute, actually, and you can be part of the reflection too. Just think, maybe one or two things that the Lord has done for you, the kindnesses of God. I wonder if anybody would be brave enough to share in the great assembly. (laughs) You can come out if it's one thing you'd just like to share briefly, or if you prefer to sit where you are, I will come with the microphone. Just briefly, something of the kindness of the Lord that you've experienced in your life. Thank you. Thank you. Just since Ron spoke about remembering the past, I remember something was going through my head that experienced that I experienced in my life. I've just recently sold with my partner, my business partner, sold my company that I've run for many years, um, which has provided for my future, which didn't look very uh, looked a bit pretty bleak some time ago. And has provided very handsomely. But 
through the course of running my business, and the Lord called me into business many years ago out of secular employment. And I expected it would all go fine. But in fact, it was a bit like, you know, from one calm to, to a storm. Twice we were wiped out during recession, started again. I started off in a little corner of my garage. I ended up starting again in my back bedroom and so on. But the business has actually grown over time. But during one of the recessions, I was praying at the breakfast table with my wife and my two children and praying that the Lord would deliver us out of these very dreadful circumstances because it looked as if we were going to lose everything, our house and so on. And while I was praying, my daughter said, Dad, we should stop doing that. It makes me feel as if everything's going to fall, around, fall down around us. And I, it stopped me in my tracks, and I realized that I was putting my problems, if you like, problems that I was supposed to deal with with God, kind of on the shoulders of my children who were not old enough or strong enough or mature enough to handle it. So I stopped doing that. Um, but recently, when I was visiting my daughter, in law, daughter and her, her son, my son-in-law and the family up in Yorkshire, the two, he and I, Warren, my son-in-law and I, were sitting in the lounge together. The women were out shopping or something. And he said, Claire, that's my daughter, shared something recently at her home group. He said, she said that she talked about how business had been very um, traumatic at times and had put put lots of things that we'd gone through but had come through in the end and she said I always knew it was going to be all right because I would open the lounge door in the mornings early in the mornings and my father would be on his knees with the bible in front of him praying and she said I knew then that it was all going to be all right in the end I had no idea that she even noticed I knew idea she saw it but the Lord brought brought us through and in a sense it wasn't his answer to the prayer that was the issue it was the fact that it reassured her that lord the lord would look after us and see us through these difficult times it's wonderful thank you thank you alistair <clears throat> esther esther i'm a mother of two children and they mean the world to me um my elder daughter had a teen pregnancy and um, it was a real shock to us. And it was the last thing I was expecting. And we really prayed for her about the decisions she had to make for her life. And sometimes we didn't get it right. And I think we put too much pressure on her at some times. But we prayed. And it was, should she have a termination? Should she give the child up for adoption? Would she be able to parent being so young? And I prayed like I have never prayed. That was the prayer of my soul for this child. Well, she went on and she had a lovely baby boy. He's delightful. He's now seven. She's a wonderful, wonderful mother. And every time I look at that child, I think, my God heard my heart. And my heart was broken. He heard me. And she'll be standing here praising God in the midst of the assembly soon again with us. Thank you, Esther. That's beautiful. That's... It's good to look back and remember the kindnesses of Lord Heather. Um, over my life, I've had many um, bouts of depression. Um, sometimes to the stage that I've not been able to go out of the house. Um, 
And then I, I hit one really bad patch that took a couple of years really to clear. And in that time, um, an amazing number of people prayed for me when I couldn't pray at all. And I just have to say that even though I still get bouts of depression, the joy of the Lord is really in my heart. And I feel I have a sense of humor that I never had before. <laughs> and I just think that's the joy of the Lord. And that is his kindness, even though uh, things at times are still really bad. The kindness of the Lord is always there. And that's just a, an answer to the prayers of not myself, because I couldn't pray, but the prayers of my wonderful friends that stood uh, in that place for me at that time. It's lovely. Thank you, Helen. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Because if you, if you don't want to come out, just put your hand up. Linda? No, don't volunteer somebody else. Um, yeah, I mean... God's been really good to us. Um, in 2003, when John was diagnosed with diabetes and heart problems, um, you know, it was tough. And yet, we've seen God move. And now he's... I'm just so thankful because he's doing so well now that his condition is well under control. Fantastic. And yet, he still goes running, even though he's had a stroke um, I mean, God is just so, so good to us. And one of the things that I've learned, some of you know this book, some of you don't, but there's a book, a devotional book called Jesus Calling. And it talks about spending time in his presence and worship and listening to what he's saying. And one of the things that he's taught me is when you're going through trials and tribulations, count it all joy. And when you count it all joy, the problems disappear you focus on Jesus and you forget your problems. It's just so amazing. Mm. I can't thank him enough. Thank you. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, Linda. Oh, sorry. Thank you. Um, just looking back, I remember when I came here as a student, went back, had... Uh, my wedding with my husband, but I had to leave my husband behind because he couldn't get a visa. And it was tough because I had to come back for my education. So I came back. I had to wait over six years. Wow. Uh, so finally, my husband came over. It was a tough period of time, but um, I am grateful that, well, I had good, good friends who are really family to me, who've, members of this church, who are, well, I call them my family, who prayed for me, stood with me, and yes, my, family, my husband, as I said, family came back. We have two beautiful children. It is tough, but we, I am grateful and we are happy together. So oh, I lovely. am grateful to God. Beautiful. Beautiful. Like many people in Last this Last one, I'm afraid. Sorry. Fine. Um, we came from South Africa uh, just 15 years ago. And... We sold absolutely everything we had there to be able to come. And my daughter was 14 months old when we arrived. And we literally landed in this country with two bags, a box with a blanket in it, and 1,400 pounds. I had a job, fortunately, to go to. Um, but we had nowhere to say. We didn't know anybody here. We had absolutely no contacts anywhere. 
And we were paying £40 a day to stay in a and b And after 10 days, we said to each other, we, we need somewhere to stay. So my husband, with Cora on his back, walked the streets to find us somewhere to live. And every estate agent he went into, he got people going, sorry, we don't deal with families. No, we don't deal with families. No, we can't help you. What do you mean you don't have money? <laughs> Go away. Um, and he walked into this place after praying, really praying hard. And he walked in there, and there was a man sitting behind a desk who took one look at him and said, you look like somebody who needs help. Come, I'll help you. I'm a father of four children. I will help you. And that was God's grace and glory mm. over us. Lovely. Because... Without God, that would never have happened. And over the time that we've been here, we have seen his glory and his grace and his blessings over us over and over and over and over again. And we are so grateful for the fact that he is with us every day. We are so grateful. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Well... Sorry, our time is up. Um, sorry, I, I know we could have a lot more, and I've probably gone on a bit longer than I should have, but there you go. So if our welcome team could now help get the Breaking the Bread organized, and uh, at this point, I think I will hand over to Neil, get myself off the hook. <laughs> Bless you. So let's just remember, let's just remember to look back, to be grateful for what the Lord has done. Look up. That's what people were sharing just now, going through difficulties, but looking up. Praying, seeking the Lord. Remember the Lord is at work within you. Look within. He is at work. And look out at the needs of others. Amen.